2: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz Radio News Show, brought to you by I'm Amassan Rahim. Unfortunately, Blair Andrews cannot uh, join me today, but uh, that's fine, because joining me is Stefan Leko. Stefan is a contributor to Rotoviz, where he writes both the Streaming Kickers column and the Do Not Cut list. He's also the co-host of the Rodoviz College Football Podcast and the Rotoviz Baseball Podcast. Both of them, I highly recommend that you listen to. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Stefan Leko. Uh,
1: Stefan, thanks for joining us. How's it going? I am doing well. It was uh, kind of a bonkers day of football, but I'm recovering. I'm looking forward to chatting with you, and then you know, jumping on HBO and watching a little bit of The Watchmen before uh, before we say it all. Before we get into next week and with all the prep and all the all the different articles we have to write and all that kind of stuff, it'll be a nice way to unwind.
2: Yeah, I've heard that The Watchmen is pretty solid, uh, but uh, I, you know, that's solid. Like the two articles that you write, do you mind giving us a quick uh, rundown of the two that you have been writing so far?
1: Yeah, so, so this year I'm kind of, uh, looking into waiver wire acquisitions a little bit differently. So everyone has a, has a take on who you should pick up. And a lot of times it's, it's fairly obvious, but what can be a lot more difficult is knowing which players to drop or in this case, which players to hold on to, uh, in, in those instances where like, do you want to drop a Ronald Jones or a, you know, early in the year, it was a Kenyan Drake that was getting dropped all over the place. Or do you want to hold on to them because of the value? Um, and so I just kind of dig into what to expect looking forward. I use a lot of the Rotoviz apps um, to kind of determine which guys are, are likely to break out if just one or two things change instead of, you know, uh, chasing every waiver wire guy. Uh, the other column I do is a streaming kickers column. And this one's actually super beneficial. I was doing all this research and homework for myself anyway because I'm a strong believer in kicker streaming. Um, I don't do – I'm in a lot of leagues, and instead of trying to make the decisions of who not to cut on that waiver wire day, I just drop my kicker, and then I have an open roster spot, and I can use that to pick up whatever free agent I want, and then I can worry about kicker later. So I was doing all this research anyway. I was like, you know what? This will be useful to people. Let me just write it in a column, tell people people who they should uh, be relying on on kickers because it's actually – I know – uh, jake seeley and others uh, totally disagree with the idea but on a game-to-game basis i think you can predict fairly well uh, which kickers will have the opportunity to, to score you points season long it's a crapshoot which is another reason to stream the position but uh yeah so those are the, a very long-winded answer to a very short question <laughs> yeah
2: no I'm, I'm actually with you on that one if only because a lot of these high stakes leagues uh, especially our preseason sponsor is sponsored the ffpc it's it's uh you know They're not getting rid of the kicker position, so it's very important to know, uh, especially how to attack the position, especially if you like to stream, uh, much like uh, I do. And I do believe that your um, (laughs) article has actually been a pretty good guiding light, especially for a handful of these leagues that I play in that has the kicker spot. So thank you
1: for that. Yeah, and, and for the record in any league I'm in, I try to advocate for banning the kicker spot. I don't actually really enjoy playing with it, but it's a position that we have to fill and they can score a lot of points. Uh, there, there's been many a week where I've won it based on the, the kicker I selected. So uh, we may not love having to use them, but the fact that we do means that we should uh, spend a little bit of time. And uh, I make the article really easy. So you don't have to even read it. You just have to click on it and look at, my, look at how I re- recommend them. And uh, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And uh, at, that's enough of
2: the kicker talk, although they are <laughs> yeah. vital for fantasy. Let's get into the skilled players here. Yes, please. Um, Marlon Mack suffered a hand injury week 11 against Jacksonville, and he was quickly ruled out, suggesting that the injury may be serious. Stefan uh, Mack had a rush for over 100 yards and a touchdown before he left the game, and in his stead, the Colts gave most of the carries to Jonathan Williams, but Naheem Hines and even guard Quinton Nelson chipped in on the ground. Uh, you know, if Mac is forced to miss time, how do you think the Colts will replace his carries going forward? And, you know, what do you expect this offense to look like without him?
1: Well, it's it's been a rough year for the Colts. It's impressive to me that they continue to win. I mean, like, Hilton's been out, obviously, Luck retired, uh, and they just keep trucking. I mean, the fact that uh, Jonathan Williams came in and, and ran for 116 yards on 13 carries is, is insane, especially against a Jacksonville defense that we all um, expect to be to be fairly good, although they've not been as elite this year of course uh, but going forward i mean i have so much jordan wilkins stock in in uh, dynasty and my Debbie leagues and it's really unfortunate because jonathan williams just might be the guy you want to own i think in ppr formats i mean this is always kind of a a, a a cheat code you know like the the naheem Hines type um is actually someone i prioritize just because there is so much uncertainty we we assume that you know Jonathan Williams performed well. We assume that he'll uh, continue on his his merry way next week if if he's a man. But you never know for sure. But what we do know is that Naheem Hines is going to have a role in the passing game. And so for me, um, I I like to play it uh, pretty safe um, if I'm looking at a guy, an option like this, because I'm looking for someone I can hopefully slide into a a flex spot. And in a PPR league, I think Hines is uh, is my preferred option of the two just for that reason.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of with you a little bit on Hines. We've we've seen Hines do that. He doesn't get very many carries. He had four targets today, and I wonder how much of that is going to continue if and when uh, Hilton comes back this year. I mean, th- th- this team is down to some pretty uh, not great, you know, secondary options here at right. at, uh, at receiver. They've got they've got Jester Rogers out there who's doing things, and Marcus Johnson, who is apparently a guy who plays in the NFL. Right, um, <laughs> right. But I mean, for what it's worth, like. This is a fairly low-flow passing offense. I mean, when you when you just look through like Jacoby Brissett's stats over here in the Road of his Player Explorer, he doesn't really attempt, hasn't really attempted more than 30 passes in most of the games this season. And uh, I think that this is by design. I, I think they know that you know they are uh, fairly outnumbered and outgunned as when it comes down to like an aerial, you know, like a passing offense. They don't want to go toe-to-toe with other other offenses here. Um, so the best way to do that is by shortening the game via the run game. Yeah, uh, it's a bit of a bummer that Mac is hurt. I was a big fan of his as, as a post- prospect when he was coming out, um, and I'm still a pretty big fan of his. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Mac's dynasty valuation?
1: Well, it's it's changed so much this year. I was really down on him. I, I thought he was a fine talent. I didn't love the situation, and I wasn't sure how much they were going to trust him. Uh, but but this year, I mean, I know he's he's had some injury issues, but maybe more than three good running backs that haven't you know like it's it's been a tough year um again it always is but a guy like mac i think is is really solid i mean the touchdown run he had today where he looks like he's all bottled up and he spins out of it and and ends up in the end zone i mean he's got a lot of talent he's really proven that he is you know he's not you know one of those first round guys but he's he's someone that uh, i i'd love to have as you know if i'm if i'm going like a zero rb he, he might be one that i maybe do the uh the kind of the one RB and all the wide receivers and, and kind of maybe get him, you know, second, third round, but dynasty, I think he he could be interesting moving forward as well. Um, the, the tough thing in dynasty is this running back class coming up is just so deep that I, I I'm excited about all these new guys that are going to be entering the league that, you know, a guy like Mac, whose ceiling is unknown, but has a pretty solid floor. Uh, I don't know if that's the kind of guy I want to prioritize over, you know, some of these rookies that we're going to see next year. So that would be the only reason why I might, uh, Talking just a little bit in Dynasty, but but as a talent, I think he's really special.
2: Yeah, that's actually a good note about like the upcoming rookie class. Uh, and uh, but um, I'm actually kind of excited as well. It's that's why I, yeah, I've been really enjoying listening to your shows because you guys have done a really good job of at least trying to trying to delve into the um, the uh, you know fantasy relevant prospects. And for those who are looking for a deeper dive, uh, both Matt wisby and Jordan Hoover have articles up over on Rotaviz.com along with everybody else, including you know Travis May and the rest of them. So yeah. Really good bees. stuff. Yeah, so there's some really good stuff, and we're getting to the point where, you know, you can see who we're going to be getting uh, into the, you know, bold season soon, and it's a good way to brush up on guys you are planning on declaring uh, yeah. for the upcoming year, especially if you're a dynasty player needy at RB. Um, and it it should explain a little bit why people are wildly overvaluing their future picks.
1: Right. Um, well, always good to say if you if your trade deadline hasn't passed yet, and you're in a dynasty league, and you don't have a really good shot at making the playoffs or if you don't think you can really survive amongst the giants in your playoffs start trading away players for picks because uh next year is going to be it's going to be a fun rookie class yeah it's it, that's been like pulling teeth but yeah i'm, 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 I'm with you Uh,
2: you know, it's been a bit of a very sad story in the side, in the NFL this season has been just how many quarterbacks have gotten hurt. But, uh, NFL's networks, Ian Rappaport reports that Matthew Stafford's back injury could sideline him up to six weeks. And in his absence on Sunday, Jeff Driscoll led the Lions' offense to 27 points with two passing TDs and an additional rushing TD. Um, The big issue here, Stefan, is that Kenny Galladay, he was held in check with only one catch for 34 yards, whereas Marvin Jones got four passes for 43 yards and two TDs. You know, what are your expectations for this passing game in Stafford's absence going forward? Do you think think Driscoll's capable of supporting a top fantasy wide receiver?
1: Yes, I think he is. I think the problem is on a week-to-week basis, you're not going to know which guy it's going to be because I think he can only really do it for one of them. And I don't think it's going to be the same guy week in and week out. So, you know, how lucky do you feel, Marvin Jones or Kenny Galladay? I mean, from a talent level, I I think they're both really good. And I think Kenny Galladay is is extremely special. But I don't know if I can trust either one of them to deliver uh, what we had initially hoped Kenny Galladay would be and what he showed flashes of this year with Stafford. It is a shame because so many of these teams are losing their quarterbacks. And these great receivers uh, aren't able to show us Oh, uh, what they're capable of, and a lot of times, you know, I'm sure they're just as frustrated or more frustrated than us fantasy players. But it, it can be tough. But I mean, the week before Driscoll, uh Marvin Jones had a had an okay day from a from a yardage perspective, but but Galladay got the touchdown, so he'll probably throw one or two touchdown passes uh, a, a week. Most quarterbacks do, but I don't think you can expect him to be throwing uh, for enough yardage that you will feel comfortable starting either either one of those. I, I I'm in a super deep league where we start like. Eight position players outside of your running back and your wide receiver, and Marvin Jones didn't make the cut this week because I just couldn't trust it, and you know that that's a mistake now, of course, because he had a good week. But but I just I don't know if Driscoll's the type of quarterback that uh that can really contribute there when it's an offense that you know wants to run the ball anyway, at least in theory. Yeah, and they got
2: they signed Bo Scarber off the, off the street and immediately started him, and he goes fourteen fifty five and one. Yeah, um, yeah of course. impressive actually but I mean really what the biggest issue here is you're kind of right it looks like the the offense here is also you know with Stafford sideline they're they're reverting to an old low flow uh, offense here as well and then the biggest issue is you got Danny Amendola who's like siphoning away targets he well, had the same number as uh, Galladay with five and he was
1: just as productive and I think that that might be the moral of the story here is if you need a safe you know second flex in a PPR league, Amendola's your guy because you know he's going to get four to seven catches a week. You know, he's got that floor, whereas the other guy's floor is, uh, you know, minuscule as far as receptions go. So uh, he he might be the safest on a much lower ceiling level, you know, but uh, it's really disappointing.
2: Yeah. And then you got J.D. McKissick who's coming in and taking a bunch. Uh, Out of curiosity, like we know Jeff Driscoll's kind of got wheels. Any interest in him as just as a you know
1: streamer or a plug-in or you know <laughs> I mean it's 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 in the conversation for superflex because any any quarterback that's taking a snap is in the conversation in a superflex league. Um, in in the Scott Fishbowl, I had Cam Newton and, and and Stafford as my as my quarterback, so I'm really unhappy. But if you look at uh, Driscoll's upcoming schedule, just looking at the strength of schedule up here on is like he, he, it's it's not great. I mean, Washington next week is, is you know, not bad. But then you've got uh, Chicago and Minnesota after that. And then I, I don't feel comfortable trusting him in those. And, I mean, he gets Tampa Bay in week 15. But uh, do you want to go into your semifinals of your championship with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback? I sure as hell don't. <laughs> like, I just I just think there, there must be better options.
2: The holidays are almost here. And you know what that means? Gifts and what's better to give than a stylish shirt that fits just right. Unlike most brands, Untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at just that right length no matter the size, so you always look casual and sharp. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart relaxed style of your own, probably to wear out in the holiday season this year, Untucked is the way to go. You can find your favorite untucket style online and check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Visit Untucked.com and use Blue for 20% off at checkout. That UNDUCKIT.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Now let's get into No Shit Shit No. Lamar Jackson completed 17 of 24 passes for 222 yards and four touchdowns in the Ravens' week 11 game against the Texans. He also added 86 yards on nine rush attempts.
1: No shit. I mean, I was talking about him with a buddy of mine yesterday. He's like, it's just not fair. Like, I'm going up against Lamar Jackson again this week because he's in a couple of different leagues. says Like, I feel like I'm already going to lose. Like, it's just not fair. And it's it, it just every week this guy is just producing numbers. And, you know, he, he finds a way to do it. Is he throwing four touchdowns a week? No, but somehow, some way, he's putting up massive points. And if you play in leagues that give, like, bonus points for, like, yardage, and big play bonuses, he's just killing you even more there. So he is he is special. Um, I have zero shares of him this year. Shame on me. I didn't believe he was going to be able to do it. I didn't think. I, I just believed all the doubters. I believed all the haters. I know there was a lot of guys, um, on on Rotoviz and elsewhere. Like I had uh, JJ Zacharys on, and we were talking about the Ravens, and he was telling me to go for Lamar, and I just was like, you know, if I if if I end up with him, fine, but I'm not targeting him late, and I look like an idiot now.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a. It, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a tough scene here. Like, um, I mean, if you missed out on Lamar, like he was absolutely just the, the apple uh, who set like your, your roster on fire. Like he was like the guy who you needed to just completely crush at that QB position. I mean, you and I are pretty big proponents of late round quarterback. And then just, you know, knowing when to reach in around early for Lamar during the draft was right. one that just supercharges your roster. Uh, I don't know if you saw um, um, this, but like, um, like Deshaun Watson signed uh, Lamar's jersey with a message saying that uh, Lamar Jackson was the MVP,
1: Hmm. (laughs) like,
2: like, I I mean, it's it's real, like every time, I mean, just like the kind of steps that they've taken with him, how creative his offense was, and I just remember people like still bring up his his, uh, performance against the Chargers as, as, as a cudgel to use against him, which again... It's fair, but also part of it was it just seemed like the Ravens' his coaching staff had no idea what to do with him under center.
1: Right. Right. And
2: now and now, a full off season later, they're like trying to maximize. They're trying to maximize what Lamar is good at doing and trying to completely minimize everything he is bad at. And I think that that has worked. I mean, um, it was when your Seahawks played them, where like the Seahawks defensive players were afterwards were just so full of praise after for, after playing Lamar, like, like. You you remember that game, right?
1: Oh, oh, that was the most frustrating game in the world because like they had him for a sack, and then all of a sudden it was 39 yards later, and you're like, it was third and 16. How the hell did he get out of that? But the dude is impressive. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, uh, and and you bringing up uh, my my Sox fan, my my Hawks fandom is uh, is the only reason why I won't agree that he he should be given the MVP. I I still I still think it's Russ, but uh, but I I see through very uh biased eyes when it comes to those things.
2: Yeah, it kind of is a bit of a three horse race, in my opinion, there with Lamar and Dak and, and, and Russ, which is pretty interesting. I mean, it's been really fun watching all three of them go. And I mean, I mean, like, let's not get it wrong. Just because the Seahawks were on bye doesn't mean Russ suddenly falls out of the conversation
1: here. Right. And there's so much, so much season left.
2: Yeah. It, it was just, it was just kind of fun. I mean, just remembering, like, like, I was, like, listening and reading all the interviews about, about, like, Lamar afterwards and, you know, Bobby Wagner was just like, I don't know what you, what do you do?
1: Yeah. what can you do? Yeah. Yeah, I saw someone saying, like, imagine if Michael Vick was able to play in these styles of offense with these types of head coaches that are willing to, you know, let the quarterback express themselves. And and like you said, play to their strengths and and try to minimize their weaknesses. And just think about it would have been, you know, similar to what Lamar Jackson's doing. You know, it's really special. It's really exciting to watch. And uh, I never would have thought that I'd say this, but I actually look forward to watching Ravens games, you know, because it's it's not just – Running the ball and playing defense—it's a really exciting offense in a very unique kind of way. It's—it's it's really been—it's really been great being able to, to witness it this year.
2: Yeah, like my my, my co-host Blair Andrews is, is is a Ravens fan and um and he must be loving his life. Well, I mean really because they they are playing a very aesthetically pleasing brand of football, which is a, a departure from the norm.
1: Right, right.
2: Calvin Ridley got all eight of his targets for 143 yards and a touchdown in the Falcons' 29-3 Week 11 win over the Panthers.
1: Yeah uh so a couple of weeks ago after the the, the day that Sanu was traded um Matt Wispay and I got on and, and did like an emergency pod to talk about some of the news um I forget one of the big guys was placed on the IR or I think Carry on Johnson was placed in the IR that day too so there was a couple of news items and uh, and we were talking about it and I said I think the big winner from this is is going to be Calvin Ridley and not only Calvin not, not only did that take place but now Hooper's out so there's all kinds of targets available for Calvin Ridley now, and it's exciting because he can really do something with them. He said he he caught all of his targets, and he's been targeted in at least six times in every game, uh, outside of two but both of those games are earlier on in the year. And one of those, he still had five. And one of the things that I love about Calvin Ridley is his a dot or his average depth of target is 13.6, which is really quite lovely, especially if you're getting, you know, five to 10 targets a game, you can really do a lot of, with that. Um, he's been able to get into the end zone now a little bit. And I, I think, you know, looking forward, I'm extremely excited about what Calvin Ridley can be, especially while Hooper's out. Uh This, this offense seems to be clicking again, uh two weeks in a row now that we're that they've they've been they've been looking good and again against the even when um Matt Schaub was in there against the Seahawks they still put up 400 plus yards so this is an offense that's going to move the football and they're going to primarily do it through the air uh Julio's going to get his but there's going to be plenty for Calvin Ridley so uh, I, I'm starting him every week with with very high expectations I'm excited about Calvin
2: yeah same I mean like maybe his preseason hype was a little bit too high. But, you know, I mean, again, like, the thing is, he was kind of earning the targets. We always knew he was going to be the secondary to Julio Jones, really. I don't think a lot of people accounted for, like, Austin Hooper's massive step forward. Right, right. Um, But on top of that, I I don't think enough was taken into account that the Falcons, who used to not throw to the running backs for the last few years, started throwing to the running backs again. Mm. And now that um, Freeman is missing time, this was the first, I believe, game where, like, Freeman was out
0: this season, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. they're not throwing, like, they targeted Brian Hill thrice, but, like, that's still a far cry from some of the, the targets that, like, Freeman was earning.
1: Yeah. And oh, yeah. They're,
2: they're still feeding these, like, ancillary guys like Russell Gage and Justin Hardy four, four targets apiece. Look, th- th- this is a guy who keeps popping up in the game logs, but what is a Christian Blake? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh... Like, yeah, so, I mean, like, so, I mean, like, you've got, you've got an offense that's still, uh, you know, I mean. I haven't been the biggest fan of Dirk Cutter and I'm still not. And I'm not a particularly big fan of like the way that the Falcons are sort of, you know, now putting it together after they're pretty, the season is pretty much dosed, but on the bright side, like I, I, I do think that they, sh- that they might be figuring out how to get these guys into like winning positions. And I think maybe, uh, you know, they might be just looking to play spoiler down the stretch. It'll be interesting to see, but I, I'm with you on, on Calvin Ridley. I mean, like better late than never, I say, on, on on his late breakout. You know what I mean?
1: Right. And you're you're absolutely right. People were overdrafting him. The process was, you know, maybe maybe wrong, but because of how things have shaken out since then, it's going to end up working out, and he's going to end up. I think, you know, I hate I hate the term league winner because there's no such thing usually. Uh, but he's the type of guy I think he's going to be on a lot of rosters that end up uh, end up winning championships.
2: Deshaun Watson completed
1: 18 of 29
2: passes for 169 yards, zero touchdowns, and an interception in the Texans' 41-7 week 11 loss to the Ravens. He also lost a fumble.
1: Yeah, I'm going no shit here. I, 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 I think, um, or shit no rather, sorry. I, I think this is an outlier game for him. He's been so good this year. If you just look at, um, if you look at his numbers again, I'm, I'm over on the NFL stat explorer and, and one of the cool graphs that they have there is just showing where they finished, If it was like as a QB one or QB two or outside of that. And, uh, he's got six, six, um, starts this year where he was uh, a top 12 quarterback. I mean, and, and some of those, he absolutely exploded. I mean, we all remember uh, the Week 5 game against Atlanta where he just went off for, like, 46 points. Uh, I I think he's got tremendous ceiling. Uh, the one thing that does make me a little bit nervous is he's got a, a couple of, of tough games. He's got New England and, and Denver in Week 13 and 14. But Denver, I mean... Minnesota was able to come back on them. So you wonder what their, their defense is going to be like, but, but week 15 and 16, he has nice matchups against Tennessee and Tampa Bay. So uh, he's someone that I have on a lot of my rosters because I play in a lot of leagues where people just wait and wait and wait on quarterbacks. And, at a certain point Deshaun Watson to me coming into the year I thought he was going to be QB2 right behind uh, Mahomes that's how I had it ranked and I wanted as many shares of him as I could if it was later later enough so I I'm still a huge uh, firm believer in Deshaun Watson I think he's uh, really special I think today was just just a really unfortunate day where the, the the game got away from him and he 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 just couldn't get going so I I think today is an outlier I, I don't think I expect any anything like this going forward
2: yeah I mean like but usually when quarterbacks are facing such wild negative script it's just very tough for them to really claw out and i mean like part of it is just i wonder how much they're hurt by like not really having will fuller like for as good as like kenny Stills is, like you know it would really help to have both Uh, i unfortunately didn't really watch uh, the game which is a bit of a bummer but i am kind of excited about houston's playoff schedule if only because the last two weeks of their playoffs uh, playoffs tennessee and tampa bay if you're able to make it there right man that would be that would be the dream um right that like, like like that's kind of what what you really need to do and and again like there's no reason why Deshaun Watson is not you know again like you said it's just a, more of a blip I I'm with you here um I'm just hoping that he rebounds because I have him uh quite a bit as well and 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 I'm also just a fan of his play style so it'd be exciting just if he comes back strong
1: absolutely yeah I I think he will
2: John Brown snatched nine catches for 137 yards and two touchdowns on 14 targets Sunday in the Bills' week 11 win over the Dolphins.
1: Can I just say shit with this one? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I mean, he did exactly what I would have expected him to do. And if you didn't start him today, then why are you rostering John Brown? Like against Miami, this was the perfect spot for him. What makes me super nervous is that we haven't seen it from him very consistently this year. Uh, his, his last, you know, really good game was also against Miami. Uh, and, and before that, it was all the way back in week one against the Jets. So against better teams, he's he's getting you between nine and, and 14 PPR points, which is, you know, right in that wide receiver three range. And, you know, that's not something I love. And if you look at his schedule going forward, it is super, super tough. They've got Denver and Dallas. Then they get Baltimore in week 14, which they just uh, had an absolutely gem of a defensive game that we were just talking about. And then in the playoffs, you've got Pittsburgh and New England. I mean, I'm nervous. I love John Brown this week, and I think he's an incredible wide receiver. So so the performance today did not surprise me, uh, but I don't know if I want to trust him with what's coming up ahead. And, and 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 part of that is because of the quarterback position um, in Buffalo. I don't know what we can expect with that kind of slate of games coming up. So, yeah, shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean – I think he sees enough targets, raw targets, to where you're just going to have to start him if he's, like, one of the better options on your thing or if you need a high variance option.
1: Yeah, um, yes. Because uh, he's still getting you those wide receiver three numbers, which, you know, that's that's not as easy to find as we might like to all believe it is.
2: Yeah, I mean, the good news is that, um, you know, targets are really raw targets is what you need. I mean, it, it becomes a whole different story if, like, the script goes sideways, but um, sometimes that's just, you know, that's how it's going to. That's just how it works. Uh, you just these are the risks that you run. I mean, I'm always a proponent of, like, rostering guys like these guys, especially as your flex player, because you need the upside. If yeah. You need, but, you know, how it's uh, how it goes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're right. I, I guess I, I was more meaning today's performance isn't something that I would be expecting on a weekly basis. I think this is going to be c- kind of a ceiling game for for him with this offense um but you know as a if you if you adjust your expectations and, and are like is he start worthy I think most weeks yeah I, I, I know he'd be starting on all of my, all of my teams because it's it could be tough out there with all the injuries we've seen
2: marking room rush 13 times for 48 yards and the Ravens is week 11 win of the Texans he also added three catches for 37 additional yards and two touchdowns.
1: Yeah, no shit. Mark Ingram is is really really good. I know a lot of people um are nervous about him because he can be so touchdown dependent and in PPR formats that has a little bit less uh value than, you know, a guy who gets uh much larger percentage of of, you know, a market share of the passing game, but with this offense, how explosive they are, the amount of points they're scoring, if you're telling me that I've got the starting running back on, on one of the best offenses in the league, I will sign up for that any day of the week. He has been so good. Uh, he's, you know, he, he came into the week, um, you know, number 11 in PPR formats. That's not going to uh, get worse, you know, after this slate of games, I mean, we still have a couple games this week, but he's just been so good. Um, I I did love seeing him get those, um, those three catches today. And I believe, I believe, um, one, if not two of his touchdowns were through the year. I'm not looking at the stat. I, I was bouncing around between games. You know, red zone is as it is. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I love Mark Ingram. I think, I think, yeah, I don't know if the process was right in drafting him as early as he went in some rounds to start the year. But with how this offense is shaked out, I think he's uh, as safe as anyone.
2: Yeah, I mean. He was kind of going a little bit too early for like my taste, like, but he has been shown phenomenal like finishes on, on a weekly basis. Uh, the one thing that I will actually add here is like to your point, like this odds, the good offense is scoring a lot of points. Um, Gus Edwards all had eight carries. He, you know, scampered for 112 yards, one on a long touchdown run. Yes. So,
1: yeah. It's uh, like a 67 yard run or something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and Justice Hill got some run. I mean, like, like, like this is a team that's like blowing teams out pretty badly to where like they're putting Ryan Griffin in.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. I was gonna say, uh, they're they're I was gonna say those guys only got touches because they were blowing them out. But I mean, if they continue to blow everyone out, that might continue down down the stretch. So we, but you know, if they do blow people out, a lot of times it's because Mark Ingram did pound it in for a three-yard touchdown already. You know, so uh, those those crazy game scripts happen for a reason, and, and he's often a, b- a big part of that.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't matter how you get those points. It's all that matters is you're getting those six points. It's right. a, it's a big punch to the lineup. Um the guy who was once considered to be uh you know superior to Cam Newton, Kyle Allen, <laughs> did a thirty one of fifty passes for three hundred and twenty five scoreless yards and four interceptions in the Panthers twenty nine three week eleven loss to the Falcons.
1: Oh man. Oh man. Um yeah, no shit. Like it's I'm not surprised. You know, I, I wanted to believe that he was going to be everything that people were saying he was going to be uh, when he started out of the gate so hot um, after getting this getting the call. But, man, it's it's too many games in a row now for me to think that uh, it's it's an aberration. Uh, this was a – on paper, this was a really, really good matchup. And one of the better ones that he'll see the rest of the way, I mean, he gets Atlanta again in week 14. But, man, he just did not look good. I, I'm – I'm trying to pivot elsewhere if I have him. Unfortunately, uh, like we were talking about earlier, we both have some Cam Newton shares this year. And uh, in in, in super flex leagues, I I had to grab Allen and it's been, it's been rough. It has been really disappointing. And, uh, you know, outside of that first game he started in week three, he hasn't finished any, any week as a, as a QB one. He's been either a QB two or QB three. So uh, not, not someone that I'm, I'm going to be trusting at all moving forward.
2: Yeah, a bit of a tough scene. I mean, like, really what you what you like about Kyle Allen is the fact that he gets to throw to a very exciting... His weapons are very, very exciting. And yeah. they've got a very strong um, rest-of-season schedule as well. Like, New Orleans, you don't want to start there. But then you got Washington. You get, well, I guess Atlanta. Uh, seems to have suddenly rounded into form on defense. Right. Seattle, who seems to have suddenly got a pretty poor pass coverage option. And then Indy, who's like been pretty solid. I mean, realistically... What makes me fairly excited about this is that it's a fairly con- like condensed target share here. You got Christian McCaffrey who accounts for a lot of the targets, then you have yeah. DJ Moore who accounts for a significant chunk of the targets, and then you get Greg Olson and Curtis Samuel, and then pretty much no one else. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm a big fan of just continuing to start like the ancillary options here. I I don't own Kyle Allen, I Kyle Allen anywhere, um, but uh, I mean if if you're waiver wires barren, there's not much else you can do right
1: that yeah that's very true and and like you said i don't think it necessarily i don't think he's killing anyone else's value i mean christian mccaffrey today in a, in a game where they only score three points and, and really struggled overall he still ends the day with 70 yards rushing but he had 11 receptions for 120 yards like in All ppr even in standard he was fine like Uh, like you said, the other guys, I mean, they're getting enough work that it's okay. I just don't want to start Kyle Allen. I just don't see, um, I mean, in a two quarterback league, you probably don't have a choice. So what else are you going to do? But if you have the option to stream, uh, if you're on a one quarterback, then I I think you, you can do better.
2: Cortland Sutton caught five of nine targets for 113 yards in the Broncos' week 11 loss to the Vikings. He also added a 38 yard pass
1: yeah no sh- no shit he is he is who they want to feature right now um i live just outside of denver so that was the game on tv so i have red zone going on on my computer and then i've got the, the game on on the on the bigger screen and uh just watching that game they want to feature him so much he he ran the ball twice he threw the ball once they targeted him all over the place he, he came into the week as the uh, number 15 receiver ppr he's been really really solid and i know the quarterbacks position there is is really really kind of frightening um uh who would have thought that we'd be disappointed to see joe flacco go but here we are uh but he seems to be uh, someone they want to feature and i don't think it's going to really matter uh i i'm really excited about him i have way too few shares of Cortland Sutton uh because he's 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 a special special talent he, he looks like he's really broken out i think it's legit
2: yeah, and I just wanted to shout out uh, John Lipinski uh, and check out his uh, appearance on the road of his mailbag. He was the one who got me on the court on side pretty late in the draft season. Like He had a really good case about, you know, why we should sort of just discount his uh, rookie season uh, and even his late declare because there was a pretty solid story about him wanting to go back to school there. Um, one of the things I wanted to actually talk to you about, um, you know, Brandon Allen be damned, right? Like, um, <laughs> uh, quarterback play, whatever, just keep featuring the targets. Noah Fant got 11 targets today. He caught four of those for 60 yards. But yeah. um, Noah Fant, do you think that that is a guy who you'd be, if you're desperate at tight end, do you think that that's someone who people should be putting a you know priority waiver bid on?
1: Yes, and hopefully he did it last week because uh, the, the signs were there. I mean, the uh, the narrative street guys will tell you, you know, like, oh, young quarterback coming in, they always like to rely on their tight ends. But that's partially true. But also... Uh, it's specifically true with this Denver Broncos team. They, they spent a a high draft capital on Noah Fant. They want to see what they want to see him out there producing as early as possible just to get him comfortable in the NFL, get him comfortable playing uh, week in week out. They gave him an important part of the game. I think it was like on a third and one, they gave him a reverse, a tight end reverse on third and one in a crucial part of the, they want to see Noah Fant with a ball in his hands. uh, And I, and I think that they're going to design ways to get him open and, and, Feature him, so he's someone that if you don't have a a, a solid, uh, true tight end one, which very few people do, go get uh, Noah Fant. I think he could really, really provide a really safe floor and a really uh, potentially good ceiling, uh, depending on the matchups uh, week in week out.
2: Yeah, I mean, really, what's kind of worked against Fant, in my opinion, is the fact that you know there've been a handful of primetime games where like Fant's always just sort of putting the ball on the ground. Yeah, Um, which again, to me, drops don't really matter. Uh, if you're continuing to see this kind of usage going forward right
1: it's a bigger difference if suddenly your target share and your targets just dry up exactly and we haven't seen that take place or if you're uh if you're a guy like dante Moncrief and they're just like okay that's one too many you're all, you're out uh but i don't yeah think... but he bounced around the league he had like
2: multiple shots at exactly
1: teams. yeah yeah and he just couldn't do it and so but but you can see people's people have patience for that kind of thing if you have talent and no fan has talent and i don't think uh, a few drops um, we're gonna hurt him. He he looked really good today. He had some really nice catches uh that you know worth worth checking out the highlights for sure if, if you're interested in what Fan can do. And he and he he looked great in college too. I mean, he really profiled to be a a good pro. We just know that tight ends take a little bit longer to um to really break out in the NFL than than other positions. But you know, some of what we've seen lately, the last couple of years, even like Austin Hooper last year, um or the year before, and um Mark Andrews last year is who I was thinking about. Sorry, I got those too confused sometimes. Um Towards the second half of the year, you're seeing these guys really start to click. Um, the, the 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 learning period it has, has really decreased, it seems like, with some of these uh, high-drafted tight ends of the last uh, two or three years.
2: Sam Darnold completed 19 of 30 passes for 293 yards, four
1: touchdowns, and one interception in the Jets' Week 11 win over Washington. Yeah, no shit. I, I've been t- talking about this Jets team for a while. Everyone was like, oh, the Jets could be good this year. They looked good to start, and then Darnold got hurt, and it was just disgusting for a while. And everyone bailed on the Jets. And in my column, my don't, my don't cut list, I had Jamison Crowder, number one, almost like like three weeks in a row. I was like, do not cut him. Like, if you need to drop someone so that you can win this week, and he's the only guy you can drop. I get it, but if you're looking to win down the stretch, you have got to keep Jamison Crowder because it may not be very exciting. But if you look at the schedule that the Jets have, and I know everyone's talked about it, but the next few weeks you got Oakland, Cincinnati, Miami, and then you have Baltimore and Pittsburgh in week 15 and 16. But man, the <laughs> the next couple of weeks are just amazing, and uh, I think Darnold is going to be able to take take advantage of that. We we've seen him. Uh, Connect really well with Robbie Anderson. Um, t- today, uh, of course, wasn't. I mean, he had that touchdown, but he didn't do a whole lot yardage wise. But Crowder's been good, and uh, Le'Veon Bell is catching balls out of the backfield too. I know we, we were talking about how he's been a disappointment as far as a, over over the whole year goes, but I think Donald can do enough with the with the opposition that he's going to face that he's someone that I'll be looking to as a priority streamer. Joe Mixon rushed
2: 15 times for 86 yards and a score, and he hauled in one of three targets for 17 yards in Cincinnati's Week 11 loss to the Raiders.
1: This is another one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no shit in the sense that it was a good matchup, and uh, we're at that time of the year where Joe Mixon all of a sudden remembers that he was drafted in the early second round, late back of the first, and he's supposed to be giving us points. But this is, you know couple weeks in a, in a row for him were, you know, in week eight, he got over 17 points. Uh, In week 10, he got 17. They are buying in week nine. And then, you know, he goes out today and, and has another good performance. We're at the time of year where Joe Mixon starts uh, producing in fantasy football. And I kind of expect it to, to happen moving forward. They have a, a couple tough matchups, uh, but overall, I think he'll be able to produce. And one of the things that I, I've kind of loved about um cincinnati the last couple of weeks is they don't really care how much they're losing by joe mixon's still getting a ton of touches so he's getting the volume and we all know that this game fantasy football uh volume is important <laughs> you know the uh, the situation might not be ideal but he, he's getting the touches that uh unless you've just crushed it in your draft and you have like so many RVs that you don't know what to do with. Um, if you drafted him in the first or second round, I, I can't imagine you found uh, two running backs or three running backs that you want to start ahead of him.
2: Yeah. And part of what you mean, like you said, volume trumps pretty much everything. Cause it's like the only thing that matters for fantasy scoring um, provided, you know, the player continues to receive that kind of volume. It's just, they came out of the buy. They were like "All right, Dalton, you're done. It's time for whatever this guy, Ryan Finley is your, it's your time to shine and shine. He is, um, this guy, oh god, watching him is it's 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 terrible. But, we talked about
1: him on the college football I mean, on the college football podcast this week because uh, he's an NC State guy and now he and two other there's like three NC State quarterbacks playing in the NFL and it's just it's it's kind of hilarious because just like um not just Finley is is not he shouldn't be out there. It's it's rough.
2: Well, I mean, this is a team that's trying to lose. Yeah. Like it's a pretty good tanking strategy. But uh, <laughs> but but again, I mean, like, just to go back to Joe Mixon here, like, they came out of the bye and they were like, whatever, you get 30 touches, 30. Mm-hmm. Like, that that was just amazing. I mean, like, part of what really was different was, like, this team came out and they were trying to be, like, you know, fairly aggressive, pass heavy, they'd abandoned the run pretty early because the defense was poor and, you know, they just... Were un, weren't unable to stay on a on strip that was conducive to running backs and then they just sort of phased mixing out of like the receiving game even though you saw a bunch he wasn't really getting the yardage like he doesn't put up those gaudy like receiving totals like a cmc does or even any of the other receiver backs but he's a pretty okay back in his own right like as far as right. the receiver goes he's not pretty you know he's not elite and he really wasn't like the primary option when boyd was healthy and uh well no sorry john ross was healthy and boyd was like still Tyler boyd and you know, all those uh, fun, fun things. But now they're just like, it's just (laughs) time time to go time to time to tote the rock. I mean, like, it's impressive that he did this on like only 15 carries. So I think that's what you take away. And I mean, like, really, all we can do is take away the fact that like Giovanni Bernard is a bit of a non-entity, even though they paid him a lot of money to be their backup running back.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Bernard's not even usable in in PPR this year, which is which is, you know, unfortunate, but
2: that's wild. Like, isn't he like yeah. one of the highest-paid running backs? Hang on, I gotta actually check this
1: now. <laughs> yeah, because I'm actually sure I know they paid him, and that's why. I mean, this is a good case study to to why you don't just follow the money for uh, assuming who you should uh should should be drafting in fantasy football.
2: Um, so just looking at the contract values here, it looks like Giovanni Bernard. Uh, time. Let's look at there. I'm gonna look at the total salaries yeah he's pretty up there um he's uh i looks like he might be top 20 he's he's only earning uh you know his total contract is worth uh, less than um it's worth more than sony michelle's for example or it's worth more than devin coleman's for example yeah Or it's worth more than dalvin cooks a
1: yeah, lot more than so dalvin crazy. cooks that's just so crazy the nfl just it's t- yeah. crazy town <laughs> it's crazy town
2: crazy just what a world um Cameron Braith hauled in 10 uh, of his team high 14 targets for 73 yards in Tampa Bay's week 11 loss to the Saints.
1: Shit, no. Shit, no. I, I don't trust uh, anyone. That it plays a tight end position uh, in Tampa Bay. It's so volatile. He's had a couple of games where he's finished as a tight end one, but that's because he happened to have a couple of games with touchdown passes. Uh, if you look at some of his other games and OJ Howard has been healthy, he hasn't been featured at all or very much, at least for the most part. So to me, you're chasing, you're chasing. You know, tight ends a dumpster fire. So if you're streaming the position and you have to choose between him and Darren Fells, like, yeah, shoot, go for it. Why not? But, uh, but no, no one I'm I'm looking to prioritize. If no one I'm spending much fab on, if he's on the waiver wire, not someone that I'm gonna. If I have a high waiver priority in my league, not not someone I'm gonna burn it on. Uh, you could do worse, sure, but I I think you're chasing chasing uh, fairy dust with this one.
2: Yeah, it looks like O. J. Howard was benched after he dropped like the first target he saw in Tampa Bay, you know. Uh he bobbled this uh this target from Jameis and then he tried to bring it back in and like the ball popped right into the air and the defender made a play on it, and that was the first of Winston's four interceptions today. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh it looks like O. J. Howard and this coaching staff are pretty much on the outs.
1: And you wonder why they didn't trade him, you know? Because teams were interested, and they just refused to. And it just—I just I just don't You'd understand. The asking
2: price was too high or something, right? Yeah, like, the, yeah just, but if you're not going
1: to use it, just, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't understand the NFL.
2: Man, I i really don't know. Like, I really don't think that the Bucks' GM is all that intelligent. I just i just think that he just remembers the time that they took him in the first round. And mm-hmm. so they're like, well, he should be worth a like, i I'm sure that they were asking for a first or something. And they were like, teams are like, yeah. Okay. The guy, the guy who you're just not gonna play is worth the first. Sure. Right.
1: Yeah. Not. Not happening. <laughs> not yeah.
2: Happen. Like, like these guys don't know how to just like. I don't know what to say about Jason Light or Liked. I'm not gonna bother learning his like how to pronounce his name because I just <laughs> don't want to learn more about him.
1: Yeah. That's fair. That is fair.
2: <laughs> Michael Gallup got nine of 13 targets for 148 yards in the Cowboys' is a Week 11 win over the Lions
1: yeah uh shit no i like michael gallup the player and i think you'll have one or two uh more blow up games this this week uh good luck i mean this year sorry uh good luck guessing when those might be might be maybe against that maybe maybe it will come against new england buffalo chicago the rams these are all pretty tough matchups uh no thanks Uh, i think it's great they did it today it was a favorable matchup for him dallas has so many weapons and you you never know which kellen Moore offense is going to be rolling out there the one where they're they're pushing the envelope and throwing the ball vertically or the one where they're trying to give uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, a billion carries. So uh, to me, uh, I mean, in the context of, of this being an outlier game, yeah, I think it is. If you, if you're in a three receiver league with a flex, you're probably stuck with him, but um, with that really tough upcoming schedule, um, every one of those performances, every, every upcoming performance uh, week he has um, is a negative uh, matchup from a strength of schedule uh, perspective until week 17 uh so so no thanks
2: yeah i mean part of this is just explainable by like the fact that you know amari wasn't 100 percent, and he didn't actually play a full-time role he only played 56 percent of the snaps and when he was on the field he was force fed he got only three of eight targets i mean this is just one of those things where i'm hoping that amari is healthy in the long run like the guy has just been so so good yeah um that like that like i think this like him you know, just he's been playing through some pretty serious injuries, uh, to where, to where, um, and like he's still been treated as like the alpha on that team. Uh, again, I think Michael Gallup really, really good talent. Uh, I think
1: he's, yes, agreed. A tad yeah.
2: overvalued in dynasty leagues because people try to do this false equivalence thing with him, which is just not going to happen. I mean, in, in that game where like Amari was forced from, from the, from the game early, Gallup was just not particularly good as the four as a vocal point
1: Mm -hmm. but
2: he's a very solid like a 1b i mean like well complementary receiver to amari and i think that that was really impressive that they were able to just you know let you know amari sort of take it off and like just Gallup was just like you said like he was able to smash again he's just a guy that i think that if you have you have to like plug him in unless somehow you've got better wide receiver options
1: Right. And, and, and he does have some, like, some of his advanced stats are, are pretty nice. Like, he has, uh, 21.6% of the team's air yards, which is, is a really good number for, like, a secondary receiver on a team. You know, a wide receiver too, that's a great number. Um, his average depth of target is 12.2, which, you know, is pretty good. And, uh, his, his target share is only 18%, which, you know, that's why he's not, <laughs> why he's not someone that we say you can tr- trust you know, as a, as a wide receiver one or, or even to duplicate a performance like this. Uh, but the, yeah, the main, the main reason why I'm scared is just that upcoming schedule frightens me. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just think that, uh, it could be, it could be tough for him. Like, like you said, uh,
2: this is actually pretty exciting. Uh, Nikhil Harry, he, uh, caught, he had three catches for 18 yards and four targets in the Patriots week 11 win over Philly.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I couldn't trust Josh Gordon, uh, when he was with New England, I certainly can't trust N- Nikhil Harry. So, so to me, uh, this is kind of what you can expect, in my opinion, most weeks. So in the, in the stance that he kind of disappointed today, uh, no shit for me. I, I think it's, it's not surprising. I, I expect m- most of his games will be, uh, single digit games. I don't think he's going to be blown up. You'll have a few games where he, he might produce because he does play with, you know, Tom Brady and that's a, it's a great, uh, potentially great offense at times there, but. Uh, the only the only player we were talking about this before the show the only Patriot that I would feel comfortable starting week in and week out of this of the position players is um is is my boy Julian Edelman <laughs> you know I, I can't stand him actually he really drives me crazy but he's the only guy that I would really feel comfortable starting uh, week in and week out.
2: Yeah, Julian Edelman had one touchdown pass today and Tom Brady had zero touchdown passes <laughs> yeah. today. Do we have a quarterback controversy? Well,
1: we we certainly should. Um, uh, Julian Edelman was fun watching him play quarterback in college <laughs> so it's good seeing him do it again now every, every now and again uh i did want to actually the,
2: the the inclusion of harry here i, I did want to ask because he was like you know pretty highly touted um you know dynasty pick and pretty early pick and he was a pretty well i mean look at the draft capital span he was a, yep. considered to be the one of the top two receivers in this class um you know from a dynasty perspective is it a good sign that he's finally getting on the field and on top of that he's actually getting targeted
1: yeah, it's good to see him, you know, get over whatever this entry issue was. It's good to see him playing uh going in like during the year last year watching. I'm a am an Oregon Ducks fan, so uh Pac-12 football is is my jam. So I got to watch a lot of him and he was just so good, just unbelievable. So I had him very highly ranked among uh, rookie wide receivers. And, uh, it's been really diff- disappointing kind of seeing the, the, the turmoil he's gone through to get here. And in all honesty, I kind of expected what, what he's going through. I thought uh, DK Metcalf would, was going to have that kind of season and it's been the opposite, but, uh, it's, it's positive going forward. I, I, uh, I sold my shares a while back. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what to think about him going forward. This this wide receiver core in New England just feels really crowded, uh, especially with how they like to get running backs involved and all that kind of stuff. With Mohamed Sanu there and uh, Julian Edelman and Dorsett, it's yeah, Nikhil Harry's going to struggle finding enough targets to be fantasy relevant. Um, yeah. next year.
2: Yeah, maybe next year. And I am kind of excited because I have him in a handful of like dynasty league spots. If only, then that's kind of why I'm holding out hope here because I like you said, like I was a pretty big fan of his.
1: Um, it was, you're only going to be getting 60 cents on the dollar and that's definitely not worth it. He, he has a lot more upside on your team than he would in what you'd get back in a trade.
2: Yeah. I mean, between him and like AJ Brown, like, I mean, watching both of these guys, like, 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 uh, especially AJ Brown has been interesting watching his like preseason play sort of just the same way he played in preseason is the same way he plays in the NFL. Like, it's just like, Hmm, that's not a rookie. Like he just like, is, is a boss.
1: Yeah, so good. So okay. Good. Yeah.
2: And then so like it's just like you know, what I mean like like uh like like these are two guys who are just not built like for a typical so They're just so big. They're just like massive dudes and they're like they're not they're not fast, but they'll run you over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're they're yeah, they're exciting. The the rookie class has been really we were talking about this as well. It's it's been a fun year for rookie wide receivers. There there's a lot of really exciting performances and uh it seems like it, Whoever you talk to, they have a different rookie wide receiver that they can point to as their favorite so far this year. And that just speaks to the depth at that position, uh, which is, which is really, really fun for, for the NFL and for fantasy, of course.
2: Yeah. It was a bit of a surprise because like people were fairly down in this class, but I guess it was fairer to be down on the, on the running backs. Right. But like the wide receivers have all been very good.
1: Yeah, we were on the, on the RotoViz college football podcast. Uh, Jordan Matt and I were actually all really excited about this wide receiver class, not to have yeah. a whole lot of like wide receiver one, like Julio Jones types, but a, a lot of really, really good contributors that will be wide receiver twos, um, for a long time. And, you know, those don't come by in every draft. So, uh, I, I think it's been really exciting. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And as a Seahawks fan, like DK Metcalf is just, is so much mm-hmm. fun to watch. He's, he's been awesome, but you got guys like Hollywood and these other guys too that have just been balling out.
2: Yeah, it's 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 been really exciting. I mean, again, like 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 DK Metcalf was a really strong pick, I think, by like the Seahawks that late, and it's, it's exciting to see this guy like completely ball out. And like, frankly, I'm I'm kind of excited that I was proven wrong on him, and I'm glad that he landed in like the right spot. But you know, well, it's
1: like you were saying about Lamar Jackson, like like coaching to his strengths and trying to minimize the weaknesses. Like that's exactly what Seattle's done with him, and and good for them because they're they're getting a really solid contributor and a really fun athlete to to contribute. Like, yeah, it's been it's been surprising, <laughs> but but very very happy for it yeah i mean not to
2: go too far off the rails but like even mccall hardman like went from he makes some pretty strong plays from like time to time so it's like you know you've got like you said like like the guys who teams drafted with the early equity are seeing opportunity yeah i mean i mean again and who could forget about mclaurin f1 and like you know i mean it's just yeah it's it's a it's a it was a fascinating rookie wide receiver class and um you know, in retrospect, maybe the running backs. Uh, I have regrets about drafting yeah. too many of them.
1: Yeah, I still think Singletary is going to be good. <laughs> so, oh man. Uh, well, uh, but he, he's not on our list. And, <laughs> and we, no, uh, he's not. But you want to talk about him? No, I mean, I just I uh, he was another guy that I I, I wrote about. Um, uh, he and Miles Sanders both, but uh, Singletary. I mean, he I I, I was following this game because I have so much Josh Allen this week going against Miami. Uh, and you know, it's also kind of hard uh, to 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 get a good gauge. But, um but I mean, he, he led the team in, in carries. I mean, he had 15 carries to, to Gore's 11. So you can see, and that's not the first time that's happened. Like you've, you've seen a trend where they're trying to get Singletary more involved. The thing that's a, kind of disappointed me is he only had one target. I mean, he did catch it, but, but only for four yards. I was hoping he'd be a little bit more involved in the passing game, but, but still, I think the, the usage is is trending in the right direction. And this is often what we see in these uh, running back by committees at the start of the year that, that, that feature a rookie is by the time this, this, Juncture of the season hits where after the bye week, like you were mentioned earlier, you really see coaching staffs start to pivot to their to their youth, uh, either because they want to see what they got for next year and see if they can build around this from in their backfield, or or just to to give the guys a shot because the previous guy wasn't wasn't working out. So I'm excited to see Singletary continue to to get a lot of touches. Uh, I I fully expect him to continue to lead the way in Buffalo. Um, today Josh Allen was just so efficient through the air that, that they didn't really need him to do a whole lot but but I thought I thought he was pretty solid he had some really nice runs in there too um, so yeah that's kind of my take on Singletary
2: from a f- from a dynasty perspective uh, I think that it's a good sign that maybe Singletary has done enough to prevent um, Buffalo from sinking you know equity uh, a chunk of equity
1: Right. Right. Into an
2: early wide receiver uh, into an early running back next year. So maybe that, that's actually probably better. He's probably a better dynasty play than he is. Uh, than he I mean, he's been a solid redraft play. Like, let's don't get me wrong, but he's probably gonna, you know, have some pretty solid long term.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they'll look to address other issues and be happy to, to roll with him. And they're, they're not going to like go try to grab a Chuba Hubbard or something like that, that would really shake up that backfield. And all of a sudden he would, he would be uh, Rashad Penny who's just sitting on the sidelines watching, watching his career float away, <laughs> you know?
2: Ugh, yeah, uh, well, kudos to Chris Carson, man. I mean, right, clearly there's it. something about him. Yeah. Become a Rotoviz Patreon and gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can ask questions and gain league-winning advice from many of the podcast running team, including uh, Stefano and myself. Patronship started just uh, six per month, and uh, become a Rotoviz Radio-, Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners. Sign up at Patreon.com/RotovizRadio. Uh, we also want to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, Rotoviz.com/podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content and helps support the pod. And uh, we are offering a two-year RV Radio NFL sub, which includes a 10% discount and complimentary access to the Rotoviz Radio Patreon and the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel for the 2019 season. Uh, that's right, get 10% off a two-year sub and enjoy unlimited access to the Rotoviz Slack channel throughout the uh, season. Uh, also, the sub itself, like we were talking about, it's going to be great when the off-season rolls around because uh, this site goes 24/7. Um, all you have to do is head to rotaviz.com slash podcast and sign up via the two-year RV radio subscription, and we'll email you Slack access details within 48 hours. Once again, that's rotaviz.com slash podcast. Kalen Balazs, uh he had nine yards and a touchdown on nine carries, and he uh, notched five grabs for eight yards on six targets Sunday in the Dolphins' is Week 11 loss to Buffalo. Meanwhile... Patrick Laird got all six of his targets for 51 receiving yards and added an additional carry for seven yards. Stefan ba- Ballage has just been inefficient this entire season. Do you think this game uh, marks a turning point in the Dolphins' backfield?
1: I don't think so. I, I don't think the Dolphins know what they're doing. I think they're going to continue to split the carries, and those carries are going to be pretty low um, low quality. Uh, Buffalo, uh, surprise, surprisingly enough, is actually a positive matchup. For running backs, a lot of times people think of Buffalo's defense as being really solid against the run, but it, uh, Rotoviz ranks them as a, as, a, as a favorable matchup for running backs. And um, the next few weeks, the Dolphins have, have much more difficult matchups, and I don't anticipate there being any fa- fantasy relevance uh, from this backfield outside of, you know, desperation, PPR. You know, like, uh, Sigmund Bloom calls, like, what the heck flex, you know, like, maybe throw a dart at, uh, one of these guys, but I, I, I'm avoiding it, uh, like the plague. I, I have no interest in, in, uh, Miami running backs.
2: Yeah. So part of the reason why, why Laird is in here is, uh, if you guys are, have followed along our football guys, quad owned a uh, team, he was one of the guys that we won on waivers along with, uh, Ryan Nall and Jeff Wilson and Dario Ogunbowale and, uh, you know, with, uh, Blair, myself, Pat, uh, Pat, and Pete, we had to make a decision as to who, as to, who to start at RB2 with Matt Breida being out. Um, I think uh, Peter Oversett, uh, for friend of the pod, um, summed it up perfectly with uh, I'd rather live one day as a lion than a hundred as a sheep. We <laughs> all settled on Patrick Claird in our RB2 spot. And he uh, came through with 11.8 fantasy points.
1: Yes, yes. And, exa- and that's what you gotta love about PPR formats. You know, you, you can, like, some people think it's cheap, but if you know what you're doing and you know where to, to look, you, you can find nice floor plays. And, and that's to me what Laird is gonna be, uh, is a nice PPR floor play. Uh, and, and a lot of leagues, like, like a lot of competitive leagues, like there's not a lot of, lot of options. And so you are, you are forced to make decisions like what you did and, and I'm <laughs> glad it worked out.
2: Yeah, and, and, and again, Blair on, on the pod, uh, over on the, uh, it's called Ship Chasing and it's over on, uh, the 444 feed. Blair gives a really solid rundown on who Laird is, but he was, uh, pretty much, he had a, a very strong college dominator rating, just, you know, uh, very solid receiver. Blair described him as a 40 year old Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> which again, that's I mean, fantastic. again, that's, that's, a, that's pretty apt. Um, and, you know, it's tough out there in, in these running back uh, streets. If you don't have the FOB or the priority waiver left, uh, you know you, you're going to be running to get Jonathan Williams. Right. Uh, you know, by the sound of it, you know Laird, I guess, in PPR formats, especially if you're playing deep leagues like 14 or maybe 16 team formats, uh, I could see that being fine. Hopefully.
1: Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, you never do, know what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, they do. They do have some some of those tough matchups coming up. Is 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 My only, I mean, they're not terrible, but I mean, Cleveland seems to be improved on defense, and uh, Philadelphia does pretty good against the run too. So, uh, but yeah, in those PPR leagues where you need some help, yeah, I think you, again, you can do you can do worse than him, but uh, hopefully you got some other options.
2: Yeah, man, maybe you can actually do better. So um, yeah, yeah, here's here's the hoping you're on that side of the coin.
1: Yeah, I'd rather have McKissick, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, gone already, but
1: yeah, in these leagues.
2: But what's the but what's the the you know the scoring expectation here like because we really were our, our decision point really and just to give you an idea of how how it was between Gus Edwards and Patrick Laird and why we rolled with Laird was because the Ravens typically don't really target the RBs that heavily right and his and his you scoring could expectation you could predict
1: a 62 yard touchdown run could you <laughs> no <laughs> <Shame> yeah you <laughs> you know but... I know
2: and that's and that's totally I mean again it's so, so, such as life but again it's not.
1: It's not like, yeah, he didn't kill you.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like, we knew we weren't gonna win this on like the strength of our RB two, but uh, it's a it's a fun story, and and it's definitely one that's been interesting because like Laird has been playing special teams for most of the season with with uh, with these guys uh, with the Dolphins, so maybe he's yeah. coming
1: on. Well, and I was actually thinking that I picked up Miles Gaskin in a couple of leagues like this that are super deep because mm-hmm. I thought the reason Laird got the work last week is because he was in the game doing special teams, so. Uh, I thought now that they had a week to prep, I thought Gaskins would be the guy that was coming in and, and getting some of the work, and that didn't pan out, obviously. Uh, so, so maybe, maybe all the hope and love that I had piled upon Miles, I, I should I move Laird's way.
2: Ah, you could probably still hold out hope here for 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 Miles. I, 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 I <laughs> it's just not just not Kalen Bellage
1: Right. Yeah, that's
2: that's that's the key takeaway here. But
1: we all already knew that. Hopefully.
2: Yeah, but I mean, if Miami's serious about losing, they will yeah. really keep playing Kalen that, Bellage That's true. DJ Chark got 8 of 15 targets for 104 yards and two touchdowns in Week 11 against the Colts. Uh, Stefan Chark just continues on this wide receiver one pace, and he's now caught all three of Nick Foles' DD passes in 2019. You know, where do you rank Chark in, in, in dynasty formats? And, and do you think Foles is the Jaguars' QB of the future?
1: Um, So I grew up a Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguar fan, and they still uh have you know they're my 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 second favorite team, which is really hard to admit and it's been really difficult uh <laughs> years of therapy uh have gone into this relationship uh so so it's it's really tough uh trying to think about what the jags should do and what they will do um they'll keep fools around because they paid him and they'll continue to start him and they'll hope that Minshew can develop, in, in my opinion. So I think Foles is going to stick around uh, for a while. I think Minshew uh, lost that job with that that last performance that he had um, where he just couldn't <laughs> couldn't get it going and, and had too many interceptions. Um, Chark, however, I, I'm really excited about. He seems to be the guy that we were maybe hoping – uh but like marquise lee was someone that a lot of us had, had hopes in uh, dd westbrook is another receiver that we thought might be able to produce in jacksonville but dj chark is doing it all and the dude is fast and, and he's got good hands and he can stretch the field he he can really do it all and i i don't rank him as a wide receiver one uh moving forward but he's definitely someone i i've got i've got one share of him in, in one of my dynasty like one one dynasty league and, and I'm not moving him. Uh, he, he, he's, he's been my best receiver, uh, this year. And, and I thought Odell Beckham would be that man, but, uh, Chark's been super, super, uh, super efficient and really, uh, really a nice surprise and, and someone that, you know, if you, if you got him, cause he was going late in, in dynasty, um, dynasty only drafts. Uh, but he's, he's really, he's really, um, panning out.
2: Yeah. I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, but like Blair and I drafted him in the 20th round of uh, one of our co-managed dynasty leagues, and that was actually really, like, I think, a, just a solid, uh, solid get. I mean, we were fortunate that John Lipinski got us onto it, yeah, got us onto him, and I think that that was, I was uh, pretty, pretty, pretty thankful for him, uh, you know, getting us onto Chark. I, I think, you know, it was actually really fascinating watching a guy who was questionable product production, uh, you know, and then had a mixed if that's a kind way of putting it just a down just a poor rookie year that didn't suggest that um you know that he was going to be capable of seeing this type of uh, or even making this kind of noise but it just looks like you know with injuries piling up on this on this on this receiving core and they you know turned to him made him a made him a starter he's been gangbusters man like, yes yeah he's just he's really proven why they, they took him in that in the, in the early second round there and and like he's just been an absolute mensch
1: yeah he's been he's been great and the nice thing too is even his his bad weeks you're still getting wide receiver three-ish production you're still getting like like he's had a couple he's only he's had a couple games under 10 points but but the vast majority of them have been pretty good if not great you know like Weeks where he's, uh, he's, he's won you the week because he's just been so dominant. So, you know, there, there is a lot of volatility week in and week out, but season long, I think Chark is someone that is, uh, is really solid and he, he, he seems to be, uh, in it for, for whomever might be throwing him the football, which, which is good for us.
2: Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of the bigger, the bigger thing here is he seems to be the primary, uh, for both Minshew and, um, uh, Foles, Foles, yeah. So it doesn't, yeah, I totally forgot. And like, that's really, Bad at me because uh, we actually started uh, Nick Foles in, in in a league this week.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: he did fine. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully hopefully he looks a little bit better going forward. But um, if not, it'll just be back to Minshew.
1: Right, right, and and they've got you know they don't have the worst schedule coming up, so so that's also beneficial. Like they'll they'll see Tampa Bay pretty soon here, so you know you'll you'll get some nice production in Oakland and Atlanta in the playoffs. So uh, definitely, I think DJ Chark is someone who uh, you can feel very happy about having on your team, especially like. If you drafted him, you got him super late, like you said, and and you basically have been gifted uh, an automatic start at the wide receiver position, which, you know, that's, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
2: Uh, Then you got, you know, out of curiosity, do you have any interest in this like Keelan Cole semi-resurgence?
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's been so many injuries there and the defense really has uh, taken a step back. So there are, they can't just hand it to Leonard Fournette as much as they'd like to. Um, and with the you know the new offensive coordinator there as well, this, this more propensity to want to throw the ball anyway. That's what got him kicked out of Minnesota. But uh, so so I think the secondary and tertiary uh, options are interesting, uh, but they're more like streaming plays to me than uh, let's pick up and start them week in and week out because uh, I think most weeks someone else will pop, but uh, it might be difficult to to predict who who it could be. Uh, speaking of the Jags and Dynasty, Josh Oliver, if he's out there, uh, he's uh, he's someone that could now that he's healthy again, he could uh, start to see a little bit more work. But that's for very deep, very deep leagues.
2: Yes. And 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 tight end premium. Yeah. I believe he I believe he hurt his back today.
1: Oh, did he? I did not see that. That is. That is I him. gotta
2: actually double check on that one, but uh, I do because he is someone that we do like here uh, at Rotaviz. He he popped pretty nicely in Phil Watkins's uh, tight end model, and right. He's just had this you know injury issues that's really been, sidelined him.
1: Yeah, it's been disappointing, but but we saw even O'Shaughnessy was was fantasy relevant for for a few weeks yeah. there uh in, in in Jacksonville. So it's it's a position that they they want to use. Uh, Mercedes Lewis was always someone that you could stream from time to time when when he was still there. So uh it's it's part of Jacksonville's DNA is having a a tight end that you you think you can believe in but you know it ends up disappointing you a lot of times, but but in those deeper leagues it's someone to keep an eye on.
2: Yeah, no, it, it, he did hurt his back and he exited today, unfortunately. So, oh, um, uh, well, I mean, on the other hand, uh, out of curiosity, where would you be, where would you be, would you consider DJ Chark to be someone in that wide receiver 25 to 36 range, lower than that, higher than that, where am I on in your dynasty rankings for wide receivers?
1: Yeah, I, I'm i really skeptical. I, I tend to play it safe and uh, I'm usually a year too late on the breakouts so I'll probably have him lower than I should. But, I mean, I'd, I'd love to find a way to slip him into that 25 to 36 um, easily. You know, if not, maybe, uh, again, I'd like the Jag, So maybe right around that like that 20-25 that slot right there.
2: Well, that's a pretty far cry from where he was in the preseason, which is nice. Uh, would you be selling high on him at all? Or no. is he more of a...
1: He's a hold for me. Um, I don't think I'd be trying to trade for him because the owner has fallen in love with him and won't want to move him. Um, but, but I wouldn't be trying to sell him. I, I don't think, um, I, I don't think there's, there's much reason to. He has a nice, uh, floor ceiling combination that, that I really like from a wide receiver. Uh, like right now, like wide receiver two, I mean, he's, he's PPR number 12 on the year going into the week, but, um, he's someone that he, he's safe while also providing a nice ceiling. So I'd like to keep him. Nice. Yeah,
2: and I, I'm with you on all accounts. I, I think that it would take a, a lot more than than people are willing to give for them for me to start parting with Jark here.
1: Right. Yeah, me too.
2: And uh, that will do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. A special thanks once again to our guest, uh, Stefan Lacoste. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. You can follow him on Twitter at Stefan Please remember to rate and review the his Radio Channel and Apple, Apple Podcasts. And subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, for Blair Andrews, I'm Hassan Rahim. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to the fantasy football report. Please rate and review the Rotovis radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email RotovizRadio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotovis radio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotovis at a 30% discount through the Rotovis radio homepage. Rotovis.com podcast.